you a fan of this podcast? Do you wish there was even more juicy content for you to sink your ears into? Well, there is. You can become a premium member of this podcast for $5.99 a month and get full access to an archive of over 50 bonus episodes. Additionally, we release a bonus episode every single month. That's a ton of extra content, including my personal interior design diaries, extra tips, my talking about trends, and so much more. Additionally, you'll be keeping us on the airwaves each and every week because your premium membership money goes directly back to making this podcast amazing. Check us out at affordableinteriordesign.com. Click on podcast to learn more and to become a premium member today. high-end designer or a lot of money to get a luxe look be your own interior designer this is affordable interior design the podcast here's your host betsy Hellman. hi everybody how are you doing over here i'm just twiddling my thumbs waiting until i can get the coronavirus vaccine i am so sick of this thing looming over us all you know taking our normalcy and turning it into well, hermetic living, it is time for me to get out, see my friends, get a hug from somebody besides my immediate family members. Are you guys itching for normalcy as well? Anyway, it's good to have something consistent in our lives like like this podcast. Here I am, podcasting away, answering your questions. I am ready for more questions, so send them to info at affordableinteriordesign.com. If you are a premium VIP member, just be sure to put that in the subject line. That way, your question will get answered first. And if you're intrigued and want to become a premium member, which helps to support this podcast and keep us on the airwaves, you can head over to affordableinteriordesign.com slash podcast. And there you can sign up for as little as $5.99 a month. You get access to the bonus archives. You get your questions answered first and more. So Please support us if you can and send in your questions when you have them. All right, everyone, even though I've got a mouthful of marbles today, I am going to attempt to podcast with some eloquence. I've got my water. I've got my thinking cap on. I'm sitting here on Main Street. The Christmas lights are still in the window because I try and think of them as winter lights. I don't do anything like holiday specific, be it Hanukkah, Kwanzaa, or Christmas. I just keep it snowy winter wonderland so that way I don't have to decorate as many times throughout the year. So my beautiful twinkle lights are up, snowflakes in the window, there's snow outside, and I'm cozy here inside the storefront with my chihuahua ready to dig into this mailbag. Without further ado, I will start with Anne. Anne writes, Betsy, I'm seeking more paint help. Hi, Betsy. Thank you so much for answering my recent question about a good, creamy, neutral Benjamin Moore paint color for my living room and dining room that doesn't clash with my off-white IKEA cabinets. I am getting so close to making my final choice. 
Being a painting novice, I have one more question before I buy my paint. What finish should I select for these rooms? These are heavily used rooms. I don't have a family room or in an eat-in kitchen. These rooms get a lot of sunlight. Thank you. All right. If these rooms are open to your kitchen, I can't get a sense if it's a big open area or if they're separate. If you're worried about wear and tear, if you want paint with a lot of longevity, then you're probably going to want to go eggshell. Eggshell has more durability, more wipeability. It does have a very subtle sheen, making it not my favorite choice for walls that have lots of nicks or patches. If your walls are not in great shape, I'd really rather you choose a matte paint because that little eggshell sheen will betray every little flaw in the walls, right? But matte or flat paint, which has absolutely no sheen, will conceal those imperfections. However, it's harder to scrub off new issues like scuffs, dings in the wall. Um, so that's my two cents on that. You go to another question now. You segue and say, I have one additional question regarding hanging artwork. I have a large 40 inches by 28 inches colorful framed photo that's going to hang above my couch. I'm wondering whether to hang additional art on either side or whether this is big enough to make a statement on its own. If I don't hang art on either side, I'm wondering what type of art I should hang further along the wall. Probably nothing to the left of the couch. There's only a strip of about two feet to the left of the couch, ending in a doorway to the hall. But to the right of the couch, there's another 10 feet or so, and that wall stretches into the dining room area. That longer length of wall is calling for art, but I'm not sure what to hang there that won't compete with my big framed photo over the couch. It's also a strange area to furnish because in my small house, it becomes part of the walkway from the living room through the dining area and into the kitchen, so it gets a bit narrow. If I get a smaller dining room table, I may be able to fit a buffet or a china cabinet, but this might be a stretch of wall that only has art. Thank you so much for your help. In this time of the pandemic, it's even more important to make my home my nest. I very much appreciate you sharing your expertise with all of your listeners, and I learned something in each podcast. Anne from Milwaukee. Well, thanks, Anne. I'm glad to hear that. Now it's time for you to learn something that will help yourself. Here we go. Depending on the size of your couch, right, that dictates the size of the artwork above it. Take the length of the couch and 50 to 75% of that should be the length of the art, right? So say we had a 96 inch couch, right? The way that you calculate the size of the art would be that you would times 96 by 0.5. So the piece of art could be at a minimum 48 inches wide. At a maximum, if we do that 96 times 0.75 to get the three quarters, it should be 72 inches wide. And 96 inches is just kind of a standard to a little bit long sized couch. So your 48 is great. Or, oh, I'm sorry, I read that wrong. It's 40 inches. Hmm. Well, you know, if you have an 80-inch sofa, that's totally fine, right? You can do the calculations on your own to determine if the size is correct. Now, you could make it a triptych by putting pieces on either side, but those pieces would really have to relate closely to the piece of art. Or you could do like a freeform gallery wall 
that maybe is aligned spatially or maybe is totally organic and not aligned at all. And that could have its own kind of look, but you want to be intentional. And ideally, you wouldn't exceed that ratio I gave you of 50 to 75% of the piece. It's above, right? Now you have this long, narrow hallway that leads to the Eden kitchen. I don't just hang art for art's sake. I might do that in a hallway, right? I might do that in a foyer. I would hang something above the Eden kitchen table. Even if the table is somewhat floating in the space, it could still be nice to hang something behind it, right? But I'm not totally sold on just arbitrarily putting art because you have a long, expansive wall. Now, of course, if you do do some kind of buffet with a hutch on top for additional storage or display, well, then you don't need artwork above there because the furniture piece is tall. You could also do bookcases. And the bookcases wouldn't have to be dense with books. They could have tchotchkes. They could have picture frames. They could have some sculptural elements like interesting bookends that are interspersed with the books. But the great thing about both a hutch piece and a bookcase is they're quite narrow. So even though this is a walkway and not truly a room, it's not going to take up too much space on the floor, you know, it's not going to have a large footprint if you do either a hutch or a bookcase. So I would be thinking about pieces that are slightly more intentional and stop thinking about making this some kind of gallery. We want the art to just be one other beautiful element that fits in seamlessly with the design. We don't want to be thinking about art first and furniture second. Rather, I place all the furniture get all my practical needs out of the way, make sure that I've got height, right? Because you don't want to have all these low pieces of furniture, you know, a 30-inch high couch, a 30-inch high dining table, a 24-inch TV stand. We need to make sure that our space has visual undulation with its furniture pieces so that some pieces are higher, some pieces are lower. We're making sure to you know, use floor lamps to get that height, making sure to use bookcases to get that height. So that way, the spatial look of the layout undulates much like a panorama of a cityscape, right? Because seeing those buildings go up and down really gives us a lot of visual interest rather than having all your furniture pieces be at the same low level. All right, Anne, I hope you've learned even more things today during this episode that featured one of your questions. And now it's time for a quick commercial break. Do you love this podcast? Do you wish you could learn even more? Well, we have an online class bundle. Our online class bundle is comprised of three online classes, Beautifying Your Home for Less, Styling Your Home, and the Fundamentals of Feng Shui. Each one of those three classes is between 30 and 45 minutes long and chock-filled with visuals and tips, things that will help you to style your own space or help out with other spaces. Additionally, with the pack of three classes, you get an autographed copy of my book, Affordable Interior Design. You get all of that for only $99. Once again, that's the three online classes as well as the book for only $99. You just go to affordableinteriordesign.com slash classes. Once again, affordableinteriordesign.com slash classes to buy your bundle today.
And if one of those classes sounded intriguing, but maybe you already have my book or some of the other topics are not of interest, you can buy the classes individually at that site as well. Each class is $40. So head over to affordableinteriordesign.com slash classes to get your bundle or your online class today. Let's move on and answer another question. This one comes from Kim. Kim writes, Hi Betsy, I'm so appreciative of your recent response to my question about slip covering my dining room chairs. I was especially grateful for tips so that they wouldn't look too granny, which I think I'm bordering on. I have another question I'm hoping you can help me with. Attached are some pictures of my powder room. I don't like seeing exposed pipes under the sink but I don't know how to cover them other than with something like a skirt, which seems kind of granny chic. Do you have any other ideas or thoughts on how I can clean this look up without being granny chic? Your faithful listener, Kim. Kim, thanks for writing in. Thanks for being a faithful listener. And yes, putting a skirt on this vanity in order to conceal the pipes is granny chic. I will not allow it on this podcast. You've come to the right place. It's time to get that reality check. It's a no-go. Let's talk about what would be a go, all right? I don't like seeing the pipes either. Even though, you know, pipes, radiators, these kind of mechanicals are just like ears on a head. Is it the most attractive part of your head? No, but everybody's got them and people are forgiving of them. You know, we can look past these things because it's something we all have, right? In this case, we all have pipes. Some are more exposed than others. And in this case, it is pretty exposed with this corner vanity and this corner sink. Now, you could change out the sink, right? They make a lot of corner vanity cabinets that would perfectly conceal these pipes and give you additional storage so you don't have to have this weird little end table on the wall next to your vanity. That, for me, feels granny, too. You've got kind of this silver dish on top of this end table. I don't know if it's holding napkins or what, but it's not working for me. Like, get a towel bar um, and get a different corner cabinet for this vanity. I just did a quick search on Google. I literally typed in corner vanity cabinet bathroom. And there are so many options available for as little as $200 on Wayfair and, of course, going up from there. Now, say you just put in this sink or say you don't want to invest in something like this. The key here is to not put lipstick on a pig. I'm not saying your sink is pig. What I'm saying is we don't want to draw attention to something that's ugly. And by putting some kind of curtain here to conceal the pipes, you're drawing attention to the fact that there's something under there that you don't want people to see. It's like lipstick on a pig. It's like a Band-Aid on a zit. You're just drawing attention to the fact that there's something under there that may not be visually appealing, even though I have seen some pretty cute pigs in my day. So keep it simple and either choose to ignore what's going on or choose to get a different vanity. They make pedestal sinks that could help to conceal this, but I really feel the best solution in order to get rid of that other storage piece is for a new corner vanity cabinet. Save up your pennies and invest in that piece. Not only will it help this bathroom to look bigger, 
better, excuse me, it will also help you in the future for resale because nobody's going to want to see a storage-less powder room. Everybody likes to see a little drawer for hand towels or extra soap or extra toilet paper or what have you. All right, Kim, I hope that helped. And I hope you're still a listener after that little smackdown. I do think that was like a smackdown light, by the way. All right, let's move to my next question, which comes from Kirsten from Germany. Kirsten writes, hi, I'm an American living in Germany. I'm a huge fan of your show, and I just became a premium member. Since about March, I've listened to every one of your podcasts, sometimes more than once, and I even purchased your book. I love it. I can't get enough. Guys, quick ask. Let me pause Kirsten's letter to just send out an ask. If you have my book, if you've read my book, what would be such a help to me as an author is for you to review it. Amazon is truly the best place to review it because it's where most people search for my book. But certainly anywhere, be it barnesandnoble.com or goodreads.com, any of your reviews would give it a major boost and would be deeply appreciated. And while you're online writing reviews, hey, review this podcast. Giving us five-star reviews helps people to find us and it helps the podcast to grow. And that is one of my resolutions for 2021 is that I would grow this listenership and really get more people excited about this podcast. So if you can share it with a friend, if you can write a review, it would be such a boost for me and for the show. All right, back to your question, Kirsten. My husband and I unexpectedly moved into a home that I previously purchased. It was built in 2003 with concrete walls and beigey cream stone tiles. It's pretty typical of a lot of homes I've seen built around here during that period. We've been living here for a year. Unfortunately, I've had to work backwards a bit since this is my first non-rental home that I've ever decorated. What I mean is that when we first moved in, I mostly can collected Pinterest pictures and tried to copy things that we liked. I did purchase design books as I went, also for fun as I was enjoying the process, but I tried to learn from them. Yours was the last book I purchased, and I have to say you've been the most specific and practical with your advice, so thank you. When I first started, I found myself gravitating towards Scandinavian style. Likewise, I've always been fond of contemporary. In my mind, what I was going for was Scandi, with a touch of industrial. However, now using your system, my two-word phrase for this floor is going to be Scandi Calm. As you can see, I've stayed very neutral with the color palette. If I did pick an inspiration piece, it would be the cow above the sofa. It has 60% blue, 40% green, and 10% red. Below are my specific questions. Thank you so much for any advice, and please know my thoughts are with you and your family during this unsettling time. Well, thank you, Kirsten. I really appreciate that. It has been unsettling, but I've been settling into this unsettling time, if that's even possible, and really just surrendering to the pandemic and all it has brought with us. With it? With us? Ugh. All right, let's get to your questions. You first write, Betsy, I love the story behind my dining room table. It's repurposed wood from construction sites in Berlin, but it is more rustic and orangey than I had intended. Do you think it would look better if I sanded it down and put a coat of polyurethane on it? It's pine wood. In hindsight, I was hoping for more of a light raw oak color. Okay, so let's look at it here. You know, in these pictures, 
It does have a slight twinge of orange, but I don't feel that it's too off. You know, it relates to this hutch piece that you have behind it, which has kind of these lighter tones of wood. Uh, again, it kind of has a plank style effect so that there's several different tones. It almost looks like a butcher block, this hutch, whereas your table looks quite rustic and actually has some deep black unexpected lines in it, which make the piece um, even more industrial than I would have thought upon first reading the email. Also, this dining area is open to your kitchen, which has very light wood cabinets. So keeping all this in mind, also keeping in mind that we don't have another wood element with the floor since that is all this beige tile you were referencing, I think I might be inclined to stain this table, or I'm sorry, to sand it, and go slightly lighter with just that coat of poly to make it more homogenous with the hutch and the kitchen area. We of course do not need it to match those wood tones, but we want it to all look light in wood tone. Remember, we're sticking with our wood tone families. You'll remember that chapter in the book. What is it? Chapter four? Chapter three? Oh, it's all a blur. Anyway, uh, what we have here are light wood families, so we want to make sure that the table is reading light wood. Let me get to your next question. You write, the carpet situation in the dining room drives me crazy. It's next to impossible to find the dimensions that I need, so it's not too long, but it's wide enough. Do you have any ideas? If it was hardwood, I would leave the area rugless, but the tile floors feel cold underfoot. Even if this was a hardwood floor, I would want you to get a rug. Especially if this was a hardwood floor, I would want you to get a rug, Kirsten, because not only would we need to break up the wood mania between the hutch, the table, and the kitchen cabinets, there is an oppressive amount of wood in here, but also we wouldn't want the chairs scooting back and forth to scratch the flooring. Of course, that's a problem we don't have with the tiles, but that certainly could come into play if this was a wood floor. So I'm glad you're doing a rug, even though it's not a wood floor. But there's a simple equation for how to calculate the size of your rug under a dining table. You just add 30 to 36 inches on all side of, sides excuse me, of the dining table dimension. So for instance, if you have a 36 inch wide dining table, you'd add 30 inches to the left hand side and 30 inches to the right hand side. And those three numbers, the width of the table plus the 30 inches on either side would add up to be the size of your rug at a minimum. Remember, I said it's 30 to 36. Now let's do the length. If you plan on having head and foot chairs, you need to do the same. You need to add the length of the table plus 30 inches at the head and 30 inches at the foot, and that gives you the ideal size of the length of the rug. And like I said, you can go up to 36 inches all around the perimeter of the table. It's really dependent on how big you want your rug to be and what is a standard size that you can easily find at the stores where you're shopping. All right, let's dig in to your next question. You write, do you have any ideas for something that I should put around this ginormous mounted TV? I was thinking about putting wall planters on the right-hand side to fill the space a bit, then just putting some kind of standing lamp fixture in the far corner. 
So yes, as I look through these pictures, I love to put plants on a wall with a TV because TV brings a lot of technological energy to the space and plants can offset all that technology with their organic qualities. It looks to me as if you have not centered the TV on this wall and it is gigantic. So it looks strange for it to be off center. When it's centered, you'll have equal spaces on the right and the left. I would avoid wall planters because you can't do planters on the right-hand side because there's the thermostat, the light switches, and an outlet over there. It's already visually messy on the wall, so we wouldn't want to add to that visual clutter by hanging planters. But I could see flanking this very long TV stand. I mean, the TV itself looks about 60 inches wide, and the TV stand looks at least 80 inches long. I would put planters on either side with tall standing plants that will not only offset that energy, but they will help to play with the symmetry and add sort of a sculptural visual interest to the room. I don't typically put a lamp next to the TV screen because staring at a light source while you're staring at a screen is very uncomfortable. It's the same reason why I don't typically put an exposed bulb right next to my computer screen while I'm working. I just don't want to be looking at that bright spot while I'm trying to focus on what's on the screen. You also don't want it to be creating any glare. So you want to make sure that you're using lamps with intention and not just using it to fill an empty corner. Let's dig in to your next question. Betsy, all of the bedroom doors in the house are that brown color. Should I just paint them and the trim white? Yes, it looks very strange, this painted brown color. It looks like you're trying to emulate wood. And there is a lot of wood in the stairs, the banister, as I mentioned before, the hutch, the dining table. So this brown is just really redundant of the rest of the brown that's um, shown in the wood tones throughout the space. I am typically inclined to paint the trim white, but my hesitation here is that your walls are stark white and it's gonna look like you didn't make any choices. It's gonna look like you went in there with a 10 gallon bucket of white paint and took a big old roller and just slapped it all over the place. I would recommend either painting the walls a different shade that's not such a stark white or painting the trim something like a light gray. So that way it contrasts and looks intentional and doesn't just look like you forgot to think about it. Your last question is, do you have any other ideas to tweak this space? Let's see, as I'm scrolling around, just off the cuff, you know, you have one of those couches that my clients just swoon over, one of them that essentially is like two twin beds stuck together. There's a company out here, I don't know if it's also in Germany, called Lovesack, which basically makes these modular type couches that you can turn into beds. I do not want my husband to see these pictures because he would want one and it is just so much upholstery that's all the same. But I do think they're pretty fun and I love that it's right next to this wood-burning fireplace just to get that cozy type feel. I do think that this room is devoid of color. Certainly you have two blue armchairs and you mentioned that there is a little bit of color in this cow painting above the sofa, 
but not much. I mean, the cow painting is primarily a black and white cow, which is primarily black and white like the rest of this room. I would really like you to freshen the pillows on that big old sofa with something that adds a pop of color or texture. I would really love to see some art that brings in more color. You have a lot of black and white photography, which I'm drawn to, but it's really just creating more of the same problem that it doesn't look quite personal. It looks so austere and sterile. I would be thinking about bringing that in. All right, so those are my immediate thoughts just off the cuff. I certainly hope that helped, Kirsten, and keep listening. Spread the word in Germany. We love our international listeners. Guys, it's been wonderful talking to you again this week. Like I said, spread the word, spread the love. We definitely are looking to meet some goals and really boost listenership in the coming year. If you have any strategies for that, if you have a super successful podcast and know of some great tips, send them my way. Info at affordableinteriordesign.com. Everyone, until next week, happy designing. Bye. You've asked for it and we have answered the call. For years you've been saying, Betsy, you're talking about all these great design concepts, but we can't visualize them. You're describing the picture that the listener sent in of their problem, and we wish we could see that picture too. After all, a picture is worth a thousand words, and I do my best to describe them, but there's nothing like seeing it for yourself. And that's why Affordable Interior Design, the podcast, now has a YouTube channel. Not only do we have a YouTube channel where you could see recordings and clips of these podcast episodes, we also have an Instagram, a Facebook, and so many other exciting things. You should check it out. Head over to affordableinteriordesign.com slash links. Once again, affordableinteriordesign.com slash L-I-N-K-S links. And when you go there, you will see links to our YouTube page, our Instagram page, our Facebook page, and more. Please check it out, follow and subscribe so you can see everything I'm talking about. A big thank you to our amazing producer, Catherine Heller, to Aton and the MDCR House Band, and to Affordable Interior Design, the sponsor of this podcast and the premier place to get an amazing look on a budget. Check out affordableinteriordesign.com. If you guys love the show, the very best way to support us is by spreading the word. Tell your friends or write us an awesome review on iTunes. So until next week, guys, thanks so much for joining us, and I'll talk to you soon. Bye.